Welcome everybody to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and it is another Saturday, but it's the first Saturday after Thanksgiving. I'm really excited that you guys are here with me. Um, I hope you guys had a really great Thanksgiving. I hope you guys sat down and you know enjoyed it with your family and really cherished the time that you guys have together and with your friends and watched all the football and ate and had a lot of fun. That is, that's the most important part of these holidays is being together as a family and being thankful for what you have and what has been given to you. Um, what are you guys thankful for? For me, this year, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for all the opportunities that have come my way, this radio show, my artwork, um, the job that I have producing a radio sh- a radio station and a lot of great radio shows for great people, um, and meeting new people and, me- and doing new things. I've done a lot of new things this year. Like a couple weeks ago, I went on a helicopter ride. Never thought I'd ever do that, but I did. And uh, that's going to be on the AME television show, by the way, so that's coming up soon. Um, just a lot of great things that I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful just to be alive, and I'm thankful for the Lord above, and I'm thankful for my pets and everything around me. I don't take anything for granted because I know how easy it is to lose it. So with that said, now we are on to Christmas, and I know you probably have seen Christmas stuff all over the stores since October, and I guess that's just the way things are, is it's more commercialized, but that's okay. Um... One of the things I love to think about is Christmas traditions. And one of the Christmas traditions that my family has is putting up the Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. And for me, what that symbolizes is there's nothing left. All we have to look forward to now is Christmas and the spirit of the Christmas sensations, the, 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 the amazing feeling that it gets around this time of year as, the, as it gets colder. and You know, people are more friendly or hopefully more friendly. Um... But it also gives me a time frame to really think about what I've done this year and what I'm going to do next year. And, you know, we don't have any more holidays coming up. This is it other than New Year's Eve. But obviously that is obviously the brand new year. So that doesn't really take part in 2015 or any year that you are in. So that's one of my favorite things. And that and the other thing was making cookies. I loved watching my mom make cookies. I loved watching my mom decorate the house and my dad and everybody growing up. And it was just a special time for me. It really brought us all together, I thought. Um, we never really did much outside of the house. I know a lot of people do some crazy uh, lighting shows. And that's one of the things that you saw on last week's, te- on the last television show, was that 5 million light display at downtown di- at uh, Hollywood Studios. Uh, that was amazing. I, I I was blown away, and I love when people do that. I love when people you've seen them when they when they have the the lights synchronized to music, so cool. And one of these days, I'm going to do that too when I get the when I get the uh, the lazy bug out of me and get up on the roof or whatever. I know my wife would really love that. So those are some of my. Uh, Christmas tr- traditions. What are your tr- Christmas traditions? Tell me by emailing me at, at uh, the AME experience at gmail.com. I'd love to hear them, and maybe throughout the season we're going to be telling about some of those. So if you have a story to tell, I'd love to tell it to everybody on the radio and let everybody else know what you do, and maybe they share the same the same thing. Um, another thing that we have coming up is Christmas specials. Now, this is where you got to catch it because it's coming up this week, next week, and the following week, and they do them really fast. It's not like years ago where they play Frosty the Snowman two or three times 
if you missed it. Um, you get one shot at it this year, and now ABC Family has a 25 Days of Christmas, which is starting actually as of uh, Thanksgiving. In fact, we probably missed some of them already. And then we have the Fala Holidays from uh, Disney, which has a lot of great stuff for your children. So those are some of the things that are coming out um, Check your local listings, though. And if I would do it, I would do it now because I know uh, Charlie Brown's is really hard to find. Rudolph is really hard to find. Frosty is really hard to find. But usually on TBS or TNT, you can find uh, the Christmas story, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Those are some great ones out there. And if you get the the lucky chance to see the uh, George C. Scott's version of um, a Christmas... It's not a Christmas story. It is uh, George C. Scott and... um, uh, the spirit of Christ is, I can't remember now, guys. I'm sorry, but it was the one where the three spirits come down and uh, and um, you know teach Ebenezer Scrooge a lesson and shows him the real spirit of Christmas. One of my absolute favorites, and I cannot believe I just pulled a brain fart on that. But anyways, uh, guys, we have two great interviews today coming up. We have. Uh, Jen Lilly. She is going to be doing some amazing things for Christmas time. So I want you guys to hear her stuff, get inspired by her. Uh, she is also on Days of Our Lives. So if you are a fan of Days of Our Lives, you're going to want to tune into that. She's going to be coming up here in just a second. And then we're going to be following up with Chuck Faulkner. He has an amazing art collection of um, Harry Sontag. Now, Harry Sontag, we thought... We lost all his originals back in 1950, in the 1950s with a fire at his studio, but they survived, and he has the collection. And he's taken them around Florida and taken them to anybody that wants to see them on the website. So check those out, guys. And now let's get to our interview with Jen Lilly. All right, everybody, we are back, and I have on the line with me Jen Lilly. You've seen her on one of the most popular daytime television shows, Days of Our Lives. She plays Teresa. She also has released a new, a new holiday album out called Tinsel Time, which is coming out on iTunes and Amazon, and uh, she's releasing the new single, Silent Night, Noel Medley, and she is going to be doing a special on Lifetime called The Spirit of Christmas. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm I am too. Uh, you know, one of your uh, the the uh, days of our lives is one of my mom's favorite uh, all time uh, uh, soap operas, and uh, so this. Oh was, yeah, this, does she love or hate Teresa? I don't know. That I don't know. I haven't asked her that, but I do know she absolutely loves that show. She's been watching it for years, so this is just a, a lot of fun for me to be able to talk to somebody that she just loves watching on TV and 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 enjoying on. Um, and also, we're going to be talking a lot about Christmas. It is that time of year again. Can you believe it? I know. I I can. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's it's just. It's, yeah. <laughs> I can't. It's November twenty fourth. It's insane. That is right. And you know, it is coming up to that time of the year too. You know, we got we got Thanksgiving in just two days. Has it been a crazy week for you? Because I know it's been a crazy week for me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. I I mean, I'm having joy in every moment um, and just, you know, choosing to be joyful, but definitely, like, last night I slept 35 minutes, but <laughs> I am i don't know, I have energy. I feel like a kid at Christmas time, you know, I'm like, so many things I want to happen are happening, so somehow I'm finding the energy, but yeah, definitely crazy town. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, what as we're coming into the Thanksgiving time and, and you're coming into the Christmas time, it's the best time to be thankful for uh, for everything around you, so what are you most thankful for? Oh, my gosh. Definitely my family and specifically my husband, Jason. Uh, good name, by the way, that you have. Yes. He's just awesome. He's so supportive, and I'm such a workaholic, and I'm so, you know, 
I, I give everything that I do, I give it 110%. So he's just so patient and wonderful that he can, you know, put up with that and just know that when I have quality time with him, it will be quality time, but it's definitely not quantity. So he's, yeah, I'm most thankful for him this year, <laughs> just being patient with me. Well, quality time is always better than quantity time, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into, uh, let's start off with your album here that's coming out, Tinsel Time. Is this your first ever uh, musical album, or have you produced other musical, uh, you know, compilations before? No, it's my very first one. I mean, I came out with a single last year. I did Baby It's Gold Outside with my co-star, Eric Martzoff, who on and off again plays my love interest on Days of Our Lives. Um, so your mom, I don't know how she feels about that. <laughs> Most people like us, but, um, we did Baby It's Cold Outside single last year, but yeah, this is definitely my first, my first album and I'm really excited about it. What made you decide to do a Christmas album or just do a, an album all together? Is it just something that it would, did that, did that cameo is, appearance, uh, where you did uh, Baby It's Cold Outside kind of like spark something for you and say, man, this is something I really like to do? Sort of, but no. <laughs> um, basically, my whole life, I mean, as a kid, I definitely loved Christmas jingles and carols, and my mom would have caroling parties, and it was such a huge part of my childhood that way before I knew I wanted to be an actress and long before I wanted to sing, because that's what I originally thought I wanted to do, um, I knew I wanted to have a Christmas album. It's always kind of been my jam. I just love Christmas. I love the spirit of Christmas. I love everything about it. So, um, last year I recorded Baby It's Cold Outside with Eric, one, because we get along, two, he has a phenomenal voice, he's been on, you know, Broadway and all these things, but three, to really test my market and see if that was an endeavor I should pursue or if I'm just completely disillusioned with myself. And so the single Baby It's Cold Outside did very well last year and we got a lot of really positive feedback. So I was like, okay, I, I want to have a Christmas album and I've always wanted to do this, so it, now is the time and, and you know, I... I, it's been great. It's I've so many sales today. I'm I'm really blown away. I mean, the fans are just amazing. That's fantastic. And you know, I love that you actually yeah. took it, took the opportunity to try something new and go for it. Because there's a lot of people that don't, but the people that seem to have the most success are the ones that that take that challenge and and drive with it. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just I'm not one of those people. I don't like to have regrets. You know what I mean? I don't want to be on my deathbed and and say. I mean, everybody will have some regret on their deathbed, but I don't want mine to be that I never pursued my dreams. I hear you. I feel the same way. That's actually one of my biggest fears is uh, thinking I'm not going to mm-hmm. pursue something or I'm going to miss something or I'm, you know, I'm just too tired to do something and then I, I don't do it. I'm going to sure. regret it. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Sometimes coffee does not help. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it doesn't sometimes. So let's talk about the Silent Night Noel medley. Uh, tell us a little bit about that song, and why did you choose that to be your first single off of this? Um, well, it's my first It's my first Christian single. The other single is called Tinsel Time, which is the title album single. But um, Silent Night, First Noel, honestly, I wish I could say that I had something to do with it, but it was my... my um, kind of non, non-church-going non producer that was like, hey, uh, people who know me know I'm, like, super into Jesus, and I don't judge people, but, you know, I am super Christian. So he was like, shouldn't you, on your Christmas album, have some song about the reason for Christmas, the reason for the season? I was like, oh, instant conviction. Yeah, totally. 
So we just kind of on a whim, very last minute, I mean, it was totally thrown at me, recorded that song acapella, and it ended up being my favorite track. Um, I feel like it's just really powerful. It's a really powerful and I feel anointed song. I, the first time I heard it, I was with my parents and my husband when we heard the rough track and like all of us started crying. It was it was weird, you know, and so I, I, can't, I can't say that I chose that song, but it was thrown at me and something really good came out of it so i'm very excited about that track i'm glad now is that noel like the first noel so it's like a a, a silent night first noel kind of like intertwined melody is that that's what it yeah is? so it, it yeah they blend into each other so it starts with silent night and then it melds into the first noel is that hard to do when you're recording something like that to like jump from one song to the other you blend it in so it doesn't sound like you just stopped automatically and you know just it's um, seamless from yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know if it is for other people, but for me it's not because I'm on the worship team at my church and that's kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of you're, in a sense, it's like, for a lack of a better term, you're in concert in some sense. So, you know, when you see people in concert, they kind of just go right into the next song because they're having fun. So that that seemed kind of natural to me. It didn't seem tricky. Cause I watched... And thank goodness they were in the same key. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> see, I watch like... Trick, I guess. I watch like Glee and I see all these other things where they're doing like a lot of acapella and they go from one song to the next and sometimes it's like, whoa, what happened? Even like the Super Bowl performances, you know, you're going into one song, you're just getting into it, and yeah. also, bam, it's another song. It's like, wow, that takes a lot of skill. Oh, good. I'm glad you think so. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not like Super Bowl level. I don't know that I could ever sing at the Super Bowl. I'm like way too afraid to do something like that. Maybe, maybe I'm into conquering my fears. Maybe we'll add that to the list. But <laughs> I think the people that perform at the Super Bowl, my point is, is that their skill level is like massive. So I don't know. I don't know on that scale that I could do that. But the transition for this one was minor. So it was, it was easy. <laughs> well, that's your first step then. Yeah, baby steps. Yeah, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. <laughs> And now you also have a really cool TV special coming out on Lifetime called The Spirit of Christmas. That is actually one of the probably the most um, important, uh, one of the channels that brings a lot of family stuff together, especially for these for this time of year. What uh, What is your role on that on that show? Oh my gosh! First of all, I'm so excited. I've, I love made for TV movies, especially Christmas movies. Like I'm such a sucker for them. So I play Kate Jordan. She is the female lead protagonist, which is awesome. It's a female-driven story. Um, she is a young attorney. She's a little spitfire, and she's sassy and funny um, and kind of quirky. She, uh, But she likes, you know, she's nice. She's not like, she's not a jerk to girls. Um, she's not a man-hater, but she doesn't believe in love. And so she goes to this mansion that she you know she's in a state sale and she has to get it appraised that the only catch is it's supposedly haunted and she's like i don't believe in ghosts so she shows up and the appraiser is like running for the hills it's like the millionth appraiser i mean i'm an actor so i exaggerate right it's probably like the third or the fifth appraiser but anyway she's like what is the deal with all these people so she camps out she's like i'm gonna get to the bottom of this and the story goes is that daniel Forsyth, the um inherited owner of the estate he was murdered on site back 12 days before Christmas um, in the 1900s. And so he was cursed to the property. So it's less of a ghost story and more of a fairy tale. It reminds me a lot of like Beauty and the Beast or one of the Grimm's Brothers tales, but less grim. Like the Disney version of the Grimm's Brothers. <laughs> so he's cursed to the property for 12 days every year. He comes back in human form. 
And so obviously love blossoms, but it does have a lot of twists and turns that I actually didn't see coming. And I found that very exciting. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's just an awesome film. I just love the script and that's what really drew me to it. Um, I did have to audition for it, but I was so glad to get it because it just, it's a classic in a lot of ways, but it also has new twists and turns and it doesn't really mold into one genre. It's like ghost stories slash fairy tales slash mystery slash love stories slash a little bit of a comedy, a little bit of a dark comedy, and an I love it. That is cool. That airs on December 19th, I should say. December 19th, 8 p.m. on Lifetime, and it's called The Spirit of Christmas. So well, jumped. I love ghosts, so I'm going to absolutely have to watch that. I am fascinated with ghosts. And, oh, perfect. And, and <laughs> I had a dream one time, actually, where I thought I found it. I ran into this woman, this girl, and I was probably around eighth grade, and she peers in my mirror when I'm getting dressed, and, and she starts laughing at me and stuff like that, and we become, like, best friends. And, um, you know, the, the funny thing was is that I took her everywhere, and I got to the point where I'm like, well, how do I get you out of the mirror? She goes, well, I can't because my mom put me here. I'm like, well, why would your mom do that? Is she a sorcerer or something like that? And uh, she goes, well, I can, only, I can only look at the mirror. So well, what if we can find another mirror? And so I found a, a pocket, uh, one of those little pocket mirrors that guys used to carry around, you know, just for anything, uh, or females, yeah. but not a compact, but a slide one. And uh, I realized that I could see her there, so I took her all around. Everywhere I went, I took her with me, and we became the best of friends, and when I woke up it was so real i could not tell if that was a real dream or if that's something that, that like that's I actually so happened interesting. To me. that sounds like a script i know right <laughs> you know it's so interesting i love detailed dreams it's so that's interesting love it you're gonna love spirit of christmas i don't carry him around in my pocket but <laughs> but you had to be there for him for 12 days. In my heart but you had 12 days yeah right? i had to yeah i had to put up with him <laughs> the guy who played daniel he's such a delight i loved working with him he was just amazing i had the best time we we were there for four of the five boston blizzards last year wow it was kind of awesome and kind of horrific at the same time. <laughs> now um what I like about the about the whole the show there is that it's twelve days. It's like plays right into the twelve days of Christmas uh, song that goes out there. That was kind of a nice nice little uh, twist on the uh, on the the uh, show for sure. Yeah, loved it. I actually started recording that song, and it's such a long, long song that finally I was like, you know what, we should just do this maybe as a duet next year, but I'm working on that. <laughs> we were going to see if the movie could use it, and then it was just such a long song, we never ended up getting it done in time for Picture Lock. But it's a great movie, and it does, it shouldn't have that song in it anyway. It's, like, perfectly scored. It's got, like, a musical. It's, uh, I'm so excited. I haven't seen it yet. I get to go to the screening December 11th, um, a week before everybody else. I'm so nervous and excited, and it was awesome. Can't wait for people to see it. Well, you haven't. You obviously haven't seen yourself here yet, but you have seen yourself on TV with Days of Our Lives. Um, what is it like to <laughs> see yourself on screen? Is it is it surreal? Um. It was at first, um, when I was first acting, it's, it's like awkward because you're like, I didn't know that I sounded like that. You know, my voice is so much deeper in my head and I didn't know my face is so like big. Like I have like a bobblehead, but, um, I mean, but I guess every actor thinks that. So it's awkward at the beginning, but honestly, it's, it's very strange for me when I watch Teresa, myself as Teresa, I never remember it to myself. Because I'm so different than her. And my hair is naturally like a dark honey gold blonde. And Teresa had started with black hair. I mean, she's going lighter, obviously, because my hair is lighter again. Thank goodness. Just easier to maintain and it's better for my head. But, but when I'm watching it, 
it just, it's like, it does she doesn't look like me. She, like, I can look at photos of myself from when I first started the show, and it's just bizarre. So I, when I'm watching Days, I never think of it as myself, because I could not be more opposite than the character I play, which is fun for me. Oh, I bet. I mean, getting able to play other people and, and new roles and, and challenge yourself to be something that you're not, that's got to be the best part of acting, I would think. It is. It's really fun. It's really scary, but it's like good scary. You know, it's the scary you want in your life. So I love it. Now, what got you to do uh, daytime television? I mean, was that something you tried out for? Were you in other things that that kind of said, somebody said, oh, okay, you could play this really well? How did it happen for you? Um, sort of a combination of both, as anything is. Um, I actually did all comedy, pretty much. I mean, I did indie films or dramas, but I basically did sitcoms. And then I was on General Hospital, and that was an emergency recast for Kirsten Storms, who's, like, such a brilliant actress. I mean, she's so well-liked, and um, we don't know each other very well at all. Like, we're, like, mild acquaintances, but she's so fun, and she's so funny. And so she had a medical emergency, and I never grew up watching soaps. I mean, I watched Days, actually, a little bit because my babysitter, but... Apparently what they do on a soap is when, like, there's an emergency situation. It's called an emergency recast where basically they hire another actor to play the other actor's role. Like, they sub in, like, a substitute teacher. It's the strangest thing. And then they have this voiceover at the start of the film, right, at the start of the show that's like, due to the illness of Kirsten Storm, the role of Maxie Jones will now be played by Jen Lilly. And that would air for a while. And then I ended up just doing the role... um, I think she was so sick. I did the role for 11 and a half months. And then because of that, it's like once you dip your foot into one soap, you know, you got your hand in the cookie jar and there you are. And then um, six months later, Days called me and they called me for two roles. They called me for the role of Jordan, played by Chriselle Stahl. She's brilliant. Um, and Teresa. And I was like, I can't play Teresa. I mean, in life, when I get angry, people are always like, oh, you're so cute. You know, you're so adorable. <laughs> you get mad. And I'm just like, I'm mad at my feet, Betty Boop style, and so I really had, I was like, I cannot play this role. There's no way anybody's going to be afraid of me. Um, and I've learned a lot from Teresa. Like, now I have a scary face. I had to practice it in the mirror. Um, and, and um, but I still had to do the whole audition process. I still had to go all the way from day one with Marnie to the producers to the next, you know, to testing. I had to go through all the, I had to jump through all the hoops. So, it's a bit of luck and a bit of, you know, resume it's kind of a combo but i love it i i never thought i never thought i would do daytime i was actually told when i first started acting in la um eight years ago everybody was like listen go for the quirky sidekick like you will never be in soaps you're not pretty enough and i was like okay cool like i don't care (laughs) i'm you know i'm quirky like i don't care i mean i don't care and um and then in daytime it's just funny because I don't know. I don't know how I ended up there, but I feel lucky. And Days is, your your mom will be happy to know that Days is a very family-friendly environment. Like, I just love the cast. It's such an ensemble. And I I never thought I would stay in daytime as long as I have. And I'm loving it. Like, I love it. I don't plan on stopping. Like, I, I just love it. I love the fans. I love everything about it. Well, that's cool. You know, have you ever learned about, yeah. do you know how the how the soap operas actually came to be? I mean, it's an amazing story. I, I do know a bit about it because I'm really into um, Hollywood history, but basically they started as soapbox radio shows yeah. and dramas, and then they were half hour, and then they became an hour. Um, yeah, soaps are amazing. You know, it's awesome to be 
part of something that's in season 50 and having a wild success. You know, our ratings are up, and I don't think anybody plans on backing down now, you know. So it is very cool to be part of something so much larger than myself that's so iconic. It's it's really um, humbling, honestly. It's just surreal. I mean, honestly, I think soap operas are true Americana television. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, oh, it start- absolutely. I think the first one started in 1927, and I believe, I, if I can remember right, it, I think it's As really? the World Turns. Um, they canceled it about I mean, six that, years that ago. that sounds right, but that's, wow. Yeah, I know, what a tragedy. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, the good thing that came out of it, I mean, it was such a travesty, but the good thing that came out of it was a resurgence of fans just being like, oh, yeah, no, you're not doing this. You know, and so there was a bit of a revival in daytime, but so sad to see as the world turns go. Um, I didn't know the 20s, man. Yeah. That I did not know. That is so cool. That yeah. is so cool. I think it was 1927, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was between 1925 and 1930, but I know it was in the 20s still. Yeah. Fun fact for the listeners. That's right. You know, have them look it up. Yeah, That's fun right. fact for the listeners. Tweet us. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of the questions I have about watching daytime television, it's five days a week, and every day is a different mm-hmm. episode picking up from the day before. What is taping like, and how the heck can you remember all your lines? <laughs> taping is insane. Um, we actually shoot eight to 11 episodes a week, and it's crazy because you kind of shoot it by set. So, like, if I'm in Teresa's apartment, um, I might film you know, four episodes ahead and three episodes back. And so you always have to kind of write down where you're coming from and what's happened and if you know certain information. Um, so that gets a little jumbled and crazy. Uh, and then just remembering the lines. Honestly, I don't remember. I went to University of Virginia. It's like a top school. Um, by the grace of God, I got in, and I don't remember anything. You know, like, I basically <laughs> don't remember anything. Like, do you want to quiz me on my state capitals? Please don't. I don't know them. You know what I mean? Like, your brain is such an interesting machine. It, it um, you know, technically, your brain remembers. I, I majored in science. I, I studied science in school. But technically, your brain remembers everything. But whether it's able to recall the information is a whole other deal. And so... I can't recall anything I learned from college <laughs> or, you know, fifth grade for that matter, for the most part. But I can remember my lines. I can remember my crazy soap lines, like, all the way back from General Hospital. I can watch a scene, and I know exactly what's coming next. It's it's futile. Well, that's amazing because, I mean, that's probably one of my hardest things to do is to remember, you know, stuff that I need to come up with and, and do plays and stuff like that. One of the reasons why I never really got into acting. But you asked me some obscure piece of, of of trivia that means absolutely trivia. nothing to everybody it is in there i i got it so i, I love know. it so someday <laughs> we'll play board games we'll play a trivial pursuit that's right and uh we'll be a team <laughs> we'll be on the same team <laughs> i like that so we're uh-huh. getting down to the end of the show uh, to the end of the segment here but i would like to tell uh to kind of get some ideas what do you have planned for how uh, for christmas and thanksgiving I am hosting Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I do that every year in L.A. I, I have, like, an orphan Thanksgiving and Christmas of sorts. I mean, it ends up being the same people. But, yeah, um, Thursday, I am – well, tomorrow is Wednesday. So tomorrow I, I go down to the L.A. Mission downtown and um, help give a Thanksgiving meal to the homeless community down there, which is awesome. And it's not something I do for, like, glory. It's something I encourage everybody to do. It's, 
it's really um, an, uh, an honoring and, and humbling experience. So I do that, and then I'm going to come home, hopefully fill some, some more CD orders because they are coming in like like Flynn. I don't even know the rhyme I want to say. And then I'm clearing out my um, – my husband and I live, like, in a, in a pretty tiny townhome. We live, like, in 950 square feet. Like, But it's perfect for us because I just I hate clutter, and I'm really into small spaces. So we got to clear the furniture out of our living room, and then I ordered um, some folding tables. So we're getting fancy up in the in the Lily house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited. That's great. I love I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of year. Actually, it's I love Thanksgiving uh, just as much. But what I don't like is all the the Christmas stuff that comes out and plays throughout the entire week or week before that, and then it kind of like. It kills the mood. I like. I love the the Christmas. The everybody gets together for Thanksgiving and then everybody eats, and then the next day it's Christmas. That's what I kind of like. But you don't. See yeah, that I'm with you on that. I mean, I am. I am with you on that. And like to some extent, like my tree is up right now, but that's mainly for my own sanity because I'm I'm doing all this Christmas related stuff that I feel like I need to have something happy in my house to look at because I love Christmas trees. But I am with you on that. I actually went to the store last night to get some thanksgiving decor for my table and i was like god everything is christmas and that even i mean i know it started our whole life but black friday used to be black friday and we would always make a joke my cousins and i we'd always be like oh man one day they're going to start it on thanksgiving and they do and i feel like that's such a shame you know it takes a lot of a joy out of it it makes it more of a a chore than like a fun crazy get up early and just be silly thing it's like okay wait well all nighter all right if i want to get presents for people so I really am with you on that. I mean, I am totally with you on that. It's it's a little too much. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure <laughs> growing up, you loved watching those uh, those Christmas specials on television, the, the 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 cartoons, and you probably have a favorite totally. cookie. What's your favorite cookie? And what's your favorite um, uh, what's your favorite uh, Christmas special? It's not necessarily a Christmas special, but Home Alone is my favorite, favorite, favorite Christmas movie. I've already seen it twice this year. <laughs> Twice, well, yeah, twice this Thanksgiving here month. Um, and then I love the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Neither of those are TV specials, but I loved The Little Mask Girl growing up. I think that was a made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. And that was my favorite movie growing up, The Little Mask Girl. We'll go with that. <laughs> I like that. And what's your favorite cookie? Mm, snickerdoodle, for sure. I hear snickerdoodle you. with white chocolate chips. Yes, mm-hmm. I love so those good. too. <laughs> my mom makes these chocolate crinkles with like a little white powder on top of them. Oh my god, they're uh, amazing! <laughs> it's too bad you got to wait. I don't know if I've ever had a cookie I didn't like. <laughs> and you know what? I, I don't need anything. One that I did find. It, it takes a little bit of people to. It, it takes a certain taste to, to enjoy it. But I love uh, Pfeffners and cookies, which were German, and my grandmother used to make them from scratch because we were all German. And uh, that's one of my favorite things I used to love about uh, about Christmas. But they're so hard to make. My mom doesn't like to make them. I don't blame her. Oh man. Hmm, I wonder if like Amazon or something sells them. You should get you should get on that. Maybe there's a Black Friday sale. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, well, dark Thursday sale. <laughs> well, we are at the end of the segment, so tell everybody how they can find out more about you and how they can order your CD. Um, they can go to my website, which is jenlily.com. That's L-I-L-L-E-Y. It stands by the CD from my website. I'm also signing the copies, and I'm including a personalized Christmas card with every order. Um, no extra charges. My gift to the fans is here. And then I'm also on social media at Twitter and Instagram, Jen underscore Lily, L-I-L-L-E-Y. Same with Facebook. 
Thank you so much, Jason. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I had. I hope you had a lot of fun too. Oh, always! I love it. I love talking Christmas and cookies, man. Me too. Anytime and trivia. Trivial <laughs> <laughs> pursuit partner. All right. I hope to talk to you again soon, and thanks again for having me on. Anytime. And guys, we are going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have more commer- uh, We're going to have more music uh, and commentary. So stay tuned. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. Hi, I'm Andy Allo, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, guys, we are back. And before I get into my next interview, I want to tell you about our website, If you want to see anything that has ever happened on the AME Experience or to learn more about the AME Experience, go to www.theamemagazine.com. There you can check out our radio show link where you'll see every guest that we have had here on the show and hear the past interviews, the past shows, and any new guests that we have coming up. It's all right there. You can go to our television show and see all the great adventures that we've had and the artists that we've seen and the places that we've seen. And, of course, the point of view experience is what's one of my favorite part of this show and you can go to our magazine and see the see the uh, art and entertainment magazine which is the AME magazine or our paranormal one which is beyond the limits so go check that out anytime you get a chance and we want to hear from you too if you know an artist or an entertainer anybody in the arts any type of art uh, culinary uh, literary uh, fine art whatever it may be Tell them about us. I want to be able to get them on here. One of the reasons I started this show was to be the voice for artists everywhere and give them that opportunity to get their their talents out. So go check that out. Email us anytime that, that you want. We're there. Also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so go check us out all over the place. You can find us. And now I want to get into my next interview. We actually were on scene in Central Florida for this one. This is Chuck Faulkner, and he has an amazing collection of the originals of Harry Sontag. Let's go talk to him right now about his his collection that he that he acquired and a little bit about Harry Sontag. Hey, everybody. I am here with Chuck Faulkner. We're in Central Florida, and we're going to be talking about an amazing artist that has a lot of history here in the Flor- in Florida, mostly the Florida Keys, though. And uh, his work has been documenting the Florida Keys from the 40s and 50s and 60s, maybe 60s. I don't know if he was still around by then. But anyways, we're going to talk to him about his collection because Chuck owns the collection. So welcome to the show, Chuck. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, and actually, the gallery burnt down in 55, so that's about the time we feel that he left left the Keys. Okay. Um, what's really cool about him is is his lifestyle. Uh that's I think that's really what sticks out the most to me because he he really did live the lifestyle of an artist and people you know expect artists to be living in these big studios he didn't really do that in fact it was kind of almost to the point of condemnable but he lived in it uh, tell us about how he lived here in the state of Florida 
Well, he got here about 1949. Uh, he was in the area just south of Key Largo, Rock Harbor, and he found a little shack that was in disarray, and he sort of put it back together. And it was it looked like about an 8 by 10 sort of shanty-type home, and he lived in that for about five years. Uh, he lived off the land. He grew his own uh, garden, uh, caught fish, and lived off, lived off the land, basically. How did he impact the state? Because obviously, like we said, there you know cameras were were still kind of new. I mean, not not everybody had one in their pocket. So how could he change and document Florida and you know have the Florida history, especially in the Keys? And maybe not so much in this area, but the Florida Keys. Well, Harry started painting when he got here. We think about 1949, and what he was capturing, he was capturing the unspoiled landscapes. There was no canals dug yet. They didn't really dig the canals, I don't believe, till like the late 50s, early 60s, they started cutting canals because it was waterfront property and they could get more money for it. But he was here when there was none of that going on, and he documented also the uh, working fishermen. The working fishermen, that, that's what they did for a living. So as you see in the painting right behind us here, he captured the big... Uh, dolphin being cleaned on the docks, and that was a daily thing that was going on in the Keys back then. So that was their lifestyle. Now, what was his mediums? Was it strictly watercolor like I've seen, or does he have other types of uh, artwork out there? Uh, most of them are watercolors. Uh, there are 170 pieces in the collection. Um, there are, is one oil painting, and there are a couple charcoals. Uh, they were different sizes. The average size was about 11 by 15. Uh, there was a couple larger, and then there was about 30 uh, paintings that were actually 5.5 inches by 7.5 inches. So he did a small format also. Now, obviously, the, the watercolors would be on paper. Uh, what were, the, what were the, um, the backings and stuff for his oil paintings and his charcoals? Uh, the charcoals were also done on a, a, probably a water. It looked like a water color type paper and also where the um, oil painting is done on a canvas board and obviously the the place has grown up since then but is are there still some of the places that he painted that still in existence can you go see it and like kind of see what he saw obviously a little bit more grown up Sure. Uh, uh, he lived around uh, the Mandalay Marina, which is the south edge of Key Largo in Rock Harbor. And the Mandalay, he probably painted about maybe eight or ten images of the Mandalay, which if you go there today, you can definitely see that it's still the same buildings. And then he also went down to uh, Tavernier, which is about 15, 20 miles south of Key Largo, and he painted the Tavernier Creek Marina. It was called Rusty's back then, and you can actually go stand exactly where he painted the picture. Um, 1951, he went to a plein air art exhibit. It's actually the first plein air art exhibit they had in Key West. And he set up there and he painted a picture of the uh, art show. And uh, how many of these pieces do you have uh, physically? Are all of them still in existence? Some of them lost? Or do you have all of them? Or um, how, how, does that, how does this collection stand right now? Well, uh, I still have all the original collection, which is 170. I haven't sold any of the originals. I'd like to uh, actually keep it and sell it as a collection. Um, I'm finding it hard to find somebody that wants to handle that many pieces, so I am possibly going to break it up into maybe like three different collections and sell, sell it that way. And how can people find you if they are interested in buying this collection? Because I know there's a lot of art artists out there, a lot of art collectors. Um, what's the best way for them to contact you if they're interested in seeing it and possibly buying it? Um, I have created a website, uh, harrysontag.com, that's Sontag with two N's, and um, I don't sell any uh, items on the website, it's basically for information. 
I have put about 60 of the original collection on there that you can view, and I have all the uh, newspaper clippings from the early 50s that were found in the collection, and also I uh, was able to track down his birth certificate, death certificate, and that is also on the website. So you got a lot of documentation as opposed to just artwork. You can see how the, the artist lived. Sure, sure. And uh, also I've pretty much collected all the uh, stories and stuff that have been done on Sontag over the years, and that's on the media page on the website, so you can read all the stories that have been done. Now, one of the things that I really, you were talking to me about a couple of years ago, was how the collection is, because I, honestly, I think you said that the, his, uh, his studio burned down, and they're supposedly lost, but yet you have them. Tell us this story, because it's really interesting. Well, in 1955, there was a fire, and we found this out about eight years after I got the collection. It was found by the historian of the Upper Keys. He found an article in the Homestead newspaper, and it said, Famous Art Gallery in the Keys Destroyed by Fire. Well, knowing that I had all the collection, um, it said the entire contents of the building was destroyed, and it said kept in the building was life's, uh, Sontag's life's work. Um, I have a bunch of black and white photos that were in the collection, and they show the paintings that are hanging on the wall inside the gallery, and I have all those paintings, so obviously they didn't burn up. <laughs> now, there's a possibility of a little bit of a conspiracy, because I think his New York place burned down, too, and uh, all those were missing, too. Do you have any of those, or...? Um, I don't know. We're not sure there was a fire in New York. He was interviewed when he opened his gallery in the 50s by the Miami newspaper there, and he said prior coming to the Keys, his studio in New York burned. Now, we don't know if that actually happened, um, but I do have some New York pieces. I have about eight paintings that are done in New York, look to be maybe in the early 40s, maybe. Uh, one's an art show in New York, and the people hustle, bustle, walking, walking around the art show and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, there's some New York pieces. Awesome. How um, how can people see the this your work uh, or his work, honestly? Because uh, I know you have um, you have like one get one uh, showing right now. Uh, where can people go if they're in the state of Florida to see the the one showing that you have? Well, it's a small exhibit right now, but it's going to be uh, become larger at some point. It's in the uh, Florida Keys History and Discovery Center in Isla Mirada, Florida. Um, they have a small exhibit of Sontag's work right now. Uh, I hope to be expanding that there here shortly, so you know, hopefully it'll be a bigger exhibit soon. Well, I look forward to seeing that, and I hope that everybody can go on to the uh, website, check out his pictures, check out his history, and check out the the uh, biography of this amazing artist. Thank you, Chuck, for uh, for showing us the collection, spending some time with us, and helping people uh, ex- explore a, a uh, artist that they may not have known of. Well, thank you, Jason. I think Harry would appreciate it too. Hi, I'm Erin Craco, and I hope you'll watch our show "When Calls the Heart" on Hallmark Channel. Hi, I'm internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd, and I released one of my most profound photographic collections to date, my 3D collection. Since 2009, I've looked for ways to bring my art to life in ways that would amaze my audience. After a rare malfunction at Disney, I realized that 3D was the way to go. Now the series can be seen in galleries all the way across the United States. If you want to see this collection, contact my studio, Imagination Art Studios, by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com and ask how. While you're there, check out my award-winning Dreams, Nightmares, Fears, and Fantasy collection, as well as my Morbid Sensations collection. Again, that's www.imaginationartstudios.com. Hey, I'm Michael Rosander, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. 
All right, guys, we are back, and it's the end of the show already, and I'm going to be finishing out with some Christmas music just to get you set for the Christmas season. But before I do, I want to share a quick little story with you. Uh, This story actually inspired me to create a Christmas series about two or three years ago, which outlines the story I'm going to tell you right now. And you can see that by going to imaginationartstudios.com and go to Series 4 um, the of Dreams, Nightmares, Fears, and Fantasies. Now, here it is. When I was about seven or eight years old, I wanted to see Santa Claus. And unfortunately, we didn't have a chimney, so there's no way he could come down a chimney. So the only way he could do that is through the front door. Now, when you walk into the front door, it directly looked at our stairs going upstairs. And uh, at the top of the stairs, there were two doors that would that would separate the top floor from the bottom floor because technically it was a two... Uh, two uh, a split level home where somebody could live upstairs, somebody could live downstairs. So, I set out the trap. I put the uh, the TV tray down. I had a couple of cookies and some milk, and then I decided to go to bed. And I tricked my parents into thinking I was asleep so they wouldn't get suspicious and watch. And uh, when they when I thought they, when they went downstairs and I thought everything was good, I got outside and I closed one of those doors like they normally did. It was always one, always closed. And I looked around this thing. Now, it was kind of like one of those, uh, like a Venetian blind type of thing. But So you had, it had slits that you could see through it without having to stick your whole head around. And uh, I sat there and I waited 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 and I waited. And it was probably close to midnight. At least I think it was midnight. And I guess I had fallen asleep. And unfortunately, I never saw Santa Claus. Um, however, I woke up in my bed, so I know my, my parents must have come and got me uh, and brought me there. But when I got up in the next morning, I was devastated to find that the cookies and the milk were gone. And I, unfortunately, didn't miss Santa Claus. That was what I had waited for all year long. And I always wondered what it was going to be like to meet Santa Claus. And when I, took the, when I had the opportunity of doing this photo shoot... And having a realized Santa Claus and using a child that was very innocent enough to believe that Santa Claus is there, it it was very touching for me. Um, it, it was my rendition of what it would have been like have, had I seen Santa Claus. The pictures are intentionally dark and just very lit, just by a little bit of candlelight almost, because it was dark out. And I wanted to create that ambiance. So that's my story, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I want to hear your, your Christmas stories. Email them to theameexperience at gmail.com. So that is the end of the show, guys. I'm going to be leaving you with music. And I hope everybody found this show uh, inspiring. And I hope it inspires you to go ahead and try some art yourself. So until next week, guys, stay safe. Have a great week. And keep those creative juices flowing. But now I'm going to be bringing you one of my favorite songs of the season. It is by... Pentatonics, and they are an a cappella band. But listen to the words of this song. They are so powerful, it gives me chills every time I hear it. It's called Mary Did You Know. <laughs> 